it feels good in here, huh? How many of y'all needed this? I did. I did. Um, just, just a little bit of encouragement. I feel like in, in the Word, it's all, it's all about our, our action. And the Bible says in James, draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. And so my hope for you tonight is that you would just draw close to the Lord. And he's sitting there with his arms wide open saying, son, daughter, I know what's gone on in your week. Draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. Um, you can stay standing for a minute. It's good for y'all. Um, we start a new series tonight. Yeah. It's going to be a three-week series. Uh, and it's, we're calling it How to Live Your Best Life. How many of y'all want to know how to live your best life? Come on. I think, I think it's a question, and I think most of us think, like, living our best life is going to be future tense. Like, my best life will be lived once I get the job. My best life will be lived once I get that relationship, whatever it might be. But I believe that regardless of your financial status, your relationship status, your vocational status, that your best life can be lived right now. Like, your best life could be lived right now. And your best life will be lived when you imitate and you fall under the heart and the alignment of the heart of Jesus Christ. I want to give you a few, few scriptures for you that we're going to be kind of basing our series off of. 1 John 2, 6 says, Whoever says he abides in him, in Jesus, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Jesus. 1 Peter 2, 21 says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example so that you might follow in his footsteps. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. You see, if we are called to imitate Christ, our best life will be found when we what? Imitate Christ. When, when, when we come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, when we align ourselves with God, when we care about the things that God cares about, that's when we will experience our best life. You see, I believe all throughout Scripture, in the teachings of Jesus, that the things that are closest to the heart of God are things that are outside of yourself and your interactions with the people around you in your world. And so this series, I believe that the world says... To live your best life, store up for yourself. Our world screams it to, to live your best life, store up as much as you possibly can. But in the kingdom of God, to live your best life, give up of yourself as much as you can. Our world says store up for yourself. The kingdom of God says give of yourself. And so tonight I want to talk about a topic that is close to the heart of God. And something that Jesus talked about almost more than anything else, I want to talk about generosity. That your best life will be found when you live a life full of generosity. Let me pray for you, Lord. I thank you so much for all that you're doing. Um, God, we just trust you with tonight. Uh, Lord, I, I'm going to talk about generosity tonight, Lord, but... Uh, you know exactly what someone needs to hear on behalf of their life, Lord. So I pray that you would speak to us individually and uniquely tonight. Uh, Lord, we just love you. We trust you. We ask all in your name. Everyone said amen. Hug someone's neck. Take a seat. Hey. Sorry, we planned that. I thought you guys would think that was funny. I need some cheap laughs from y'all. Y'all been hard on me lately. Question, anybody in here, you like coffee? 
coffee. I started drinking coffee like three years ago. It's probably because I had a child about three and a half years ago. Uh, started drinking coffee. But I believe that coffee is the one drug that the Lord allows us to have as much of as we possibly want. It is nectar of the heavens, caffeine. Uh, how many of y'all do not want to be talked to before you have your coffee? Anybody? Okay. Yes, a few of you. I love coffee. Me and my wife love coffee. It's my favorite time of morning. I get my son some Paw Patrol, and I give him his waffle or chicken nuggets, whatever he wants in the morning. And I get my coffee, and I get my Bible. It's the best part of the morning. But uh, me and my wife, we love to take our son to this special coffee place. Tell me if you've ever heard of it. It's called Starbucks. I know some of y'all like haters of Starbucks, okay? You like, you want the little hole in the wall, whatever, whatever. It's fine. Starbucks is great. So we go to Starbucks all the time. We enjoy it. Our son loves it. He loves their popcorn. We go to Starbucks all the time. But the other day, I was, I was talking to the interns a little bit about this. I didn't tell them this part because I, I feel like they would uh, be shameful of me. Uh, but the other day, it wasn't too long ago, I go to Starbucks. And usually I go inside and I grab my coffee and I read, I relax, and I enjoy my time. Well, this particular day, I needed to get somewhere, so I decided to go through the drive-through. And I'm going through the drive-through, and you know how sometimes in Starbucks lines, where you get to the window and someone says, the person in front of you has paid for you? Anybody, anybody, you've ever done that for somebody, right? Someone did that for you. And, and then sometimes it can, it can create this like line of generosity where this person paid for this person, then this person's gonna pay for this person, and so on. Well, this one day I go to Starbucks and I get to the window and the barista is like, hey, uh, the person in front of you paid for your Starbucks drink. I said, man, that's awesome. God, you are good. Amen. And then she proceeds to tell him, she's like, you know, this has actually been going on for about a half hour, that there's been about 10 or 15 cars that have been paying for the, the people behind them. I'm like, man, that's awesome. And, <laughs> and she says, she, she was like, do you want to pay for the person behind you? And, and I, I was like, this is a great opportunity for me to be generous, for me to love on my neighbor, right, that I'll never meet, that will never know my name. Um, but this is a great opportunity for me. So I said, yeah, I, I, I would love to, but how, how much? And she was like, well, it's, it's, it's a few coffees. And she was like, it's twenty four fifty. I'm like, what, what do they get? What are they get? How many pumpkin spice lattes do those girls behind me get? Dear Lord, it's... Just now October, right? Some of y'all can't wait. So I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking to myself, man, this is a great opportunity for me to be generous. But I'm thinking the person in front of me probably made money because they paid for my $2 coffee. I'm about to lose $22.50. What do I do? I'm in a predicament. And so I, I, I said to her, I'm like, look, I know what I should do. I know the right thing to do. But I ain't paying for that person behind me. Are you kidding me? I am not paying $24.50 for these jokers behind me. And I said, hey, catch me next time. I promise I'll do it next time. I sped off. I'm a pastor. Not a good one, but I, I'm a pastor. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Uh, generosity can be hard sometimes, right? I, I think that generosity is difficult for a lot of people. And I don't think generosity is difficult for a lot of people because people are innately bad or people don't have a generous bone in their body. I believe that many people, unless you're an evil jerk, are generous people that want to give to other people. But I believe that people have a hard time being generous because money is stressful. Am I right or am I right? 
Right? Money is sometimes so stressful. Money can feel like an absolute burden. Amen. There was a study done by Northwest Mutual who did this, uh, this poll of thousands of people. And the one question they asked is, what's the most stressful part of your life? 18% of people said, it's my job. My job is stressful. You're like, amen. 25% of people said, it's relationships. But 44% of people said the most stressful thing in my life that I go to bed thinking about, that I wake up in the morning thinking about, is my finances and my financial stability. And that was a poll for people who were millionaires versus people who didn't make anything at all. That money is the most stressful thing in people's lives. Studies show time and time again that finances are one of the root causes in many instances for anxiety, for depression, for relational issues. One of the top three reasons for divorces in the United States is because of finances. Like we live in a society and culture where we are extremely overwhelmed and stressed about finances. No matter how much you make, no matter what your job looks like, we're stressed. Now think about this. What do we do when something in our life causes us stress or anxiety or pressure. What do we do? Well, what we try to do is we try to control it. Because if I can control it, then I might just be able to alleviate some of the pressure or the tension that I feel when it comes to this particular thing. Right? So many people, when it comes to money, money absolutely has stressed you out. Money has overwhelmed you when it comes to your job in college or you're out of college. You're trying to figure out how do I pay for rent? How do I do all these kind of things? So money has stressed you out. It's caused you pressure and anxiety in your life. And so you have gone into control mode. You've controlled your finances. In your finance, you say, it's my money. I'm going to do with it what I want. I'm going to spend it. I'm going to save it. But I'm definitely not going to give it. I think a lot of us find ourselves in that place but hear me, money is a constant, is a stress for a lot of people. But if you find yourself being constantly, every single day being stressed and overwhelmed by finances and you have turned yourself into control mode, the reality is, is you think you're controlling your money, but your money is controlling you. Like if, if you wake up constantly feeling stressed and overwhelmed about your finances, your finances are controlling you and your money has become Lord over your life. And if your finances, just like we talked about last week, have become Lord over your life, you will never be able to be obedient with your finances the way that God calls you to be obedient. And here's why. Matthew 6.24 says you cannot be the slave of two masters. You will like one more than the other or be more loyal to one than the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve money and serve God's desire for you when it comes to your finances and your path. You can't, in other words, you can't control your money and be generous. You can't control and be generous. See, the reality is, if you want to live your best life, your best life will not be found in the things that you gather. Your best life will be found in the things that you give. Your best life won't be found in the things that pour into you, but your best life will be found in the things that you pour out to others because that reflects the heart of God, that imitates God. And by doing that, we're imitating God because you know why? God is generous. 
Everyone say, God is generous. Yes, God is generous. Yes, good, come on. Actually, God is the author of generosity. He made it up. He thought it up. James 1.17 says this, Every good and perfect gift comes down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heaven. Think about this. This might bother you, but I believe it. That every good and perfect thing that is in your life is because God allowed it to be in your life. Everything good. Everything perfect. Now, there's some junk in your life that you created, some stuff that has gotten into your life, but every good and perfect thing that you have in your life is because God allows you to have it. God was gracious enough to give you breath. God was gracious enough to give you the gifts and talents that got you the job. God was gracious enough to give you the job that gives you the finances. God is a gracious God. I was sitting there last night, and I was eating dinner, and I was watching my son uh, watch Paw Patrol and eat chicken nuggets for the second time that day. And I was watching him. I was watching him watch TV. And he's a precious little guy. You may have seen, he was here earlier, but he, he bails when I come up to preach. I don't know why, but <laughs> three and a half years old. And I'm watching him. And I all of a sudden just like tears start welling up in my eyes. And I just started in my mind just thanking God. Like, God, thank you so much for this beautiful child. Like, I'm so undeserving. God, thank you for our home. God, thank you for a beautiful wife. God, thank you for all the things that you have allowed me to have. God, and I started praying, God, let me be a good steward of my family, of my finances, of my job. Look, if you don't believe that every good and perfect gift that's in your life comes from God, then you will always hoard it to yourself. You will never be generous with it because you're going to think that you brought those things into your life and not God. But if you believe and trust that God allowed those things in your life, then you will go palms up and say, God, do with it whatever you want to do. Amen? Generosity matters to God. And if generosity matters to God, then it should matter to us. And we should want to reflect God's generosity to the people around us. We should want to be reflections. We are image bearers of Jesus Christ. If you are in Jesus Christ, you have a relationship with him. You are an image bearer, and you should reflect the generosity of Jesus Christ to the world around you. Listen, though, and this one might bother people, but it's good. You shouldn't be comfortable. I believe generosity with our finances starts after we first give back to God. I believe generosity with our finances first begins after we give back to God. Now, there's this thing in the church, and, and, and Connor said it before, this thing called tithing. And tithing, the second that I bring it up, some of y'all in here, you, you have some major church baggage. He's like, okay, there's another meathead up on stage who's asked me for money so we can keep buying him cool shoes, right? Like, this guy just wants our money. And if you really believe that, like, can, can, I, can I just have a couple minutes to try to change your mind that it couldn't be further from the truth? You see, tithing is giving 10% of whatever you make every month to the church that you call home. It's giving 10% 
of your paychecks. You get paid no matter if you mow lawns, you babysit, you have a full-time job, you're an engineer, you make way more money than all of us do. Uh, No matter what you are, but you get that paycheck and the first thing you do is you take 10% of it and you give it back to the local church trusting that that local church is gonna try to expand the kingdom of God, that you're giving to the work of Jesus Christ and his saints. Now, all throughout the Old Testament, tithing is a law. Tithing is a law, and in a lot of instances, if you don't tithe, it was punished by death. Thank God we don't live under the Old Testament, Old Testament covenant, right? But then Jesus came and fulfilled the law, and the one time that Jesus talks about it and the one time that Paul talks about it isn't as much as a law, but it's more of a principle. So Jesus isn't saying that it's a law for you to do this, but it is a principle for you to engage in this activity of tithing. You see, I believe and our church believes that it's extremely important. Tithing is saying that, God, before I spend my money, before I save my money, before I do, before I start paying off loans or whatever it might be, before I do that, God, I give you my first. God, I put you first in my finances. Ever since I was 15 years old, tithing has been a part of my life. I was 15 years old, my first job, I was a janitor. I cleaned toilets. Actually, my first job at Red Ark Church was a janitor, right? I should probably go back. But I was a janitor. And I remember I was a janitor, and I got my first paycheck, and I walk home, I'm like, yo, what up, pops? Look at my money, son. I'm gonna get me some stuff. I'm gonna get me some shoes, some McDonald's, Taco Bell, right? I'm gonna hook myself up. And my dad says, look, Angie, you do whatever you want with that money. But first, you're gonna give 10% of it to the church. What? No, I'm not. Yes. My dad was in this moment trying to teach me this lesson. That, Andrew, if you can learn right now that in your life that that money is God's and you can be a steward of that money, that that's his, then generosity will look so much different to you in your life. My first job I tithe, and for the past 16 years I've been tithing, in the Matrone household, me and my wife, we tithe. We are full-time employees at Red Rocks Church, and when Red Rocks Church gives us a paycheck, we take 10% of it and we give it right back to Red Rocks Church because this is our church home, that is our local church that's building the kingdom of God. And so I believe in it. In the Old Testament, it says 10%. And I think why it says 10% is because no matter your job or the money you make, 10% puts us on an even even playing field, right? So whether you make $1,000 or $100,000, 10% is subjective to whatever it is that you make, right? So it puts us on a playing field. By not tithing, you won't be punished. You'll still go to heaven. However, I believe that when we don't first give to God, the alignment of your finances will be off. You know, first give to God, the alignment of your finances will be off. Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your what? Your heart is also. So if I give my first treasure, if I give my treasure to God, then that's where my heart is and everything I do now flows from that and it aligns myself with God. So I make God Lord of my finances, and then the Lord begins to speak to me and and challenge me and maybe convict me about my spending habits, about my generosity, about my saving habits, about what I should or should not do. You see, when we place our money in God's hands first, what we're saying is that the money that I have in my life, big or small, I'm not an owner of it, I'm a steward of it. And I'm not an owner of it. I'm just a steward. 
And if I'm just a steward, if God calls me to give, then I will freely give because it isn't mine to give in the first place. That I'm just a steward, I'm just a grateful steward that God allowed me to have what it is that I have in my life. See, when this happens, when this becomes a spirit of who we are, generosity won't just be something that we do sometimes. Generosity will be who we are. Generosity will be a part of our church. Generosity will be a part of, of my soul. And generosity is who I want to be and who I'm trying to become. So I don't know where you stand with this. And I think that you have to have your own convictions in your heart about what God is speaking to you. Don't, don't take my word for it, please. For the love of God, I am not that great of a communicator. I, I didn't go to seminary. I read the Bible as much as I can, and I study as much as I can. But for the love of God, if you question any of this, then go to the word of God yourself. Don't just go to Google, okay? Go to the word of God and have your own convictions about your finances and tithing for yourself. So I don't know where you stand with with all this, but I do believe that the Bible takes an extremely strong stance on generosity because it's the heart of God. It's the heart of Jesus. It takes an extremely strong stance. So I just want to give you three quick points. Is that cool? Three quick points about generosity and what the scriptures say about generosity. Here's number one. If you're ready, say I'm ready. Elbow your neighbor. Say wake up. Or what's your number? Just kidding. Don't do that. Please don't. Do that. Please don't. Don't be weird. Gosh, please shouldn't have said that. Don't ask her. If she wants to give it to you, she'll give it to you. I like, someone had a cool, cool laugh over there. I like that. Uh, that was behind you? Okay. <laughs> Wasn't me, bro. All right, number one. With generosity, there is always a return on your investment. With generosity, there is always a return on your investment. When you invest into something, into the stock market or whatever it might be, you want a return on your investment, right? With generosity, there is always a return on your investment. 2 Corinthians 9 says this, remember this, whoever sows, sows or gives sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. If you put a few of your chips in, you will get maybe a few chips back. If you put all your chips in, then you'll get all those chips back in return, that you will experience the generosity above and beyond. Luke 6.38 says, give and you will what? Receive. I give and then I receive. Your gift will return to you in full, so that gift you get back after you've given it. It's pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you what? Get back. If you sow generously, you will reap generously. See, here's the cool thing about this passage, is this is trying to explain that you can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. I think sometimes, like, man, that's a lot of money, God. I I'm not sure if I should empty my bank account for that. I'm not sure if I should give that. I'm not sure that I, I should tithe. That sounds like a lot of money. But you cannot outgive God. And He promises all throughout the scriptures that if you give generously, then you will get returned generously. See, God wants us to give gener generously with anticipation that will return generously. Like every time that I go to give, anytime like I feel like the Lord speaks to me to give, 
I always give with anticipation that the Lord is going to return back to me what it is that he promised to return. Dear Lord, sorry. Talk to your friends. Thanks, Lacey. Lacey's an intern. You get a gold star. Good job. So if we sow generously, we'll reap generously. But what is it that we reap? See, because here's the reality. It's just because, this isn't prosperity gospel, okay? So just because you give $100 doesn't mean that you're going to get $1,000 back. Okay, that, that, that's not what I'm saying. Now, you might. God might do that. You might just get $100 back. But what I do believe is that either way, when we give and we are generous, we reap in return. Now, sometimes you can give financially, and what you'll reap will be something spiritually. You can give financially, but what you'll reap is, is healing physically. You'll give something financially, you'll be generous, but what you'll receive is something mentally, something emotionally, maybe something material-wise, but you'll receive something, and here's why. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. When we refresh other people, we will experience a refreshment from the Spirit of God, but it doesn't promise what that'll be, but God knows just what you need, and he'll refresh you in the area that you need to be refreshed when you choose to refresh others and be generous to the people around you. Does that make sense? Like, and not only does God reward here on earth, but God rewards in heaven. It's this beautiful, uh, generous cycle that God gives to us, that God generously gives to me. And then what I do in return is I give back to God. And the more I give back to God, the more that he gives back to me. And then I give back to God, and he gives back to me. But where this cycle ends is when God is so generous with you that, look, you're sitting in here, you have breath left in you. I know that your life sucks right now, but you have breath left in you. He has been generous to you. But what happens is God is so generous to us, and then what we do is we sit back and we hoard it all to ourselves, And then we get frustrated why God's not doing anything in our life. And the reason why God's not doing anything in your life is because he's given you so much in your life to do with, but you're standing back upset that you want more, but you haven't given anything in the first place. That God calls us to be generous, but we find ourselves getting frustrated because God has been generous, but we hold it to ourselves. God has called us and has promised to be faithful when we are generous to the people around you, first to him and then those around us. With generosity, there is always a return on your investment. Number two is this. Generosity is not, not found in what you give, but the, but the heart in which you give it. Generosity is not found in what you give, the amount that you give, but the heart in which you give it. In that 2 Corinthians verse 7, it says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your what? Heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. There's a story in Mark where Jesus and his disciples are at the temple and there's a temple treasury. And what people would do, they'd come to the temple and they would put money in the treasury, a tithe. And these rich guys came to the temple and they put loads of money into the treasury. But all of a sudden, this poor widow walks in. She has two coins, equivalent of a few cents, and she puts that money into the treasury. And Jesus turns to his disciples, he looks at them, he said, this woman has put in more. 
These men gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. She gave everything that she had. God isn't measuring how much you give. He's measuring your heart. Now, sometimes people are extremely generous givers with extremely generous hearts, and God blesses the heck out of that. I believe it. But, 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 but the Lord is trying to speak to us and challenge us in this moment that it's not about how much. It's about the heart in which you give. And I think that what's tough with this is that for a lot of people in our age bracket, I think we have a difficult time with this, maybe like that widow, because we love to say to ourselves, if I had a little bit more money, then I would probably do a little bit more, right? Ever felt that? I felt that. Like, if, if I had a little bit more, whenever I get that job that I've really been wanting and desiring and I know it's gonna pay out pretty well, once that happens, then I'll be more generous. But I came across this research that, that asked people the question, what are you paid right now and what would you need to get paid to believe that you have enough to do with life that you want to. People who were paid $35,000 said $80,000 would be enough for me to live the life that I want to. Well, guess what? Those people who made 80,000 said $140,000 would be enough for me to do what I wanna do. Well, guess what? Those with 140,000 said 250,000 would be enough to do what I want to do. And it just went on and went on. 18% of millionaires do not view themselves as rich. Okay, it's, it's not a money issue, it's a heart issue. And here's the reality is if you can't be generous with $100, you sure as heck won't be, won't be uh, generous with $100,000. You just won't. And because here's the reality, the more money you make, the more difficult it is to give. It's the famous theologian, Notorious B.I.G., more money, more problems. It's difficult. The more money that you have, the more difficult it is to give because you have more access to do cooler things, to buy more things. So it's a hard issue. So if you can learn right now to tithe off of your $100 that comes in, once you begin to get $100,000, it'll make it much easier. But try never giving any money away, never tithing, and then all of a sudden getting that job that you want and that paycheck that you want, try giving then. I promise you won't do it. See, God loves a cheerful giver. Don't give because you're obligated or forced. Don't give because you have to. Give because you get to. Give because you get to. Give out of the abundance and the overflow of your heart. You see, God gives happily, and he wants you to give happily. He desires that for you. Y'all good? Generosity is not found in what you give, but the heart in which you give it. Don't get caught up in this season of life that I'm just like a 20-something just barely scraping by. Like, do you, do you trust that God will give back generously to you. If, if, if you do, it just, it just doesn't matter what you make. It doesn't matter how many bills that you have. But when you make him Lord of that, then all those other things begin to fall into place. The Lord knows what you need financially. The Lord knows the debt that you're facing. The Lord knows that the job that you have isn't paying out that well. But he still gave you that job, so he still called you there. And if he's called you there, he'll, he'll grace you for it. He'll grace you in that season. He'll provide for you whatever it is that you need in that season? Can you be generous right now with people around you? 
with your tithe, even though you feel like you make zero money. Because let me tell you, the more money you make, the more money you spend. You spend what you make. And so you have to choose right now, at your age, this principle of generosity. Be great for you. Number three is this. Generosity is for his glory, people's benefit, and your good. Generosity is for his glory, God's glory, people's benefit, and for your good. That 2 Corinthians, it continues to, to talk. If, if you want to read that on your own, you go, go home. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 15. But Paul says this. He says, this service that you perform, this, this generosity that you've done, is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of this service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. And for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. That, that generosity is far more than just blessing people. That generosity is about bringing glory to God. And in return, people will be blessed and you'll be blessed. See, by being generous, five things, I'm gonna put them up here. By being generous, number one, you give thanks to God. By being generous, you give thanks to God and it's, it's for his glory. By, by being generous, you're saying, God, here's my money. Thank you so much that you allowed me to have this. God, I give back to you as thanks to you. By being generous, you supply the need of people around you. That, that's the obvious one, right? Think about this. When you're generous, you help people get back up on their feet. Like the, the good Samaritan. That man was beaten down and battered, and that man came across and generously gave and provided so that man could get back up on his feet. By being generous, you're helping someone potentially heal. Hey, look, I know you can't afford it, but I'm gonna pay for a couple sessions of counseling. You're gonna help someone heal. By, by, by being generous, when we go to King Supers, wherever it might be, and we see the single mom with a thousand kids and all of her groceries and somehow you say, I don't have the money to do it, but I feel like God's called me to do it and I'm gonna hand my credit card, or not your credit card, but your debit card. <laughs> yes, your debit card, cash, and you say, I'm gonna pay for it. I'm gonna take care of this family. By being generous, we're supplying the needs of people around us. We're giving people hope. We're giving people strength. We're giving people encouragement. We're letting people see Jesus through us. By, by, by being generous, we are supplying the needs of people. That's what it's about. You throw it back up there, we're supplying the needs of people. Number three, by being generous, you will, people will praise God. It's biblical. When we are generous to people, people will in turn praise God now and give God the glory, give God the honor, give God the praise gives God more glory by being generous in their prayers, their hearts will go out to you. It says that. When I'm generous to someone, 
now this person turns around and they pray for me. That this person remembers me in their hearts and their prayer and their thanks for God in turn does good for, for my life. And the fifth thing is by being generous, you will be enriched in every way. Uh, the, another passage says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through, through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The world says store up. The world says make as much money as you can and store up for yourself as much as you can. The kingdom of heaven says gather what you can from me and then pour it back out. And then I'm gonna fill you back up and then you're gonna pour it back out. And I'm gonna fill you back up and you're gonna pour it back out. You're gonna pour it out to this person and I'm gonna fill you up. You're gonna pour it out to this person and I'm gonna fill you up. And that's between you and God. It's not just for the benefit of people, but for God's glory and for your good. As I wrap up here, I wanna, I wanna share part of, of, of me and my wife's story. Uh, when my wife, uh, she, was, she was 22 and I was 23 when we got married. And, and about a year into our marriage, Man, we were stressed about finances, holy cow. Uh, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm the husband that can't provide, dear Lord. <laughs> I don't make much money and neither does she. And um, Man, we were, we were really struggling uh, in finances. And, and finances were just like really controlling our lives. Like we, it was Lord over our lives. It's all we talked about. It was so overwhelming. And I remember one night me and Jerrica were, were praying and we were actually going through this book called Circle Makers. And, and we started praying around our finances. Like, God, we need, we need your help, Lord. Like, we, you need to bless us, Lord. You need to take care of us. Don't you see what's going on? Anybody ever feel like, Lord, do you see, do you see my bank account? Like, I know you see everything. Like, do you see it? Um, I'm puking up ramen noodles on the reg, okay? Like, I, I, need, I need some help here. Um, so we started praying circles around our finances. And, and my wife was at a place in, in her job where, where it's was, it was just not, not a good season for her. And we literally felt like God said, after some prayer, separately, when we came together, and I'm like, what did you hear? She's like, I don't think you want to hear what I heard. And I'm like, well, you don't want to hear what I heard. And we're like, count of three. And we both felt like the Lord said, we want you to give Jerrica's entire salary to the church, every last penny for the next year, give it back. Now, I don't know if y'all heard, but we were already struggling uh, with our finances, and so now going to only one income was, no, that sounds stupid, Lord. I think, uh, I, think I heard something else. Uh, <laughs> circle around, right? But he called us to it. And man, we, we, I've been practicing the muscle of, of generosity for a long time, and I've, I've been trying to listen to the Lord for a long time when it comes to that, so I, I knew. We knew. So we decided, okay, starting, starting next paycheck for the next year, every penny of Jericho's is going back. Can I tell y'all that a month later, 
both of our cars died within 10 days. <laughs> both of our cars, y'all, died. Transmission went out, engine ceased on the other, died. Uh, me and the Lord argued that day. <laughs> but you know, the very next day, someone gave us a $3,500 check. Just out of the blue, called, it's like, hey, I feel like the Lord put you on my heart, here's $3,500. And it was just all year long, just story after story of God just restoring and giving back generously to us. There was a peace in our home. There was a peace in our marriage. There, there, there was something about that season of life that I will forever remember as a young 20-something who didn't have much money, but we said, we're gonna trust the Lord with our finances. We're gonna give to him first, make him Lord of our finances, and we're just gonna trust him with the rest. Well, after we did that, when the year ended, my wife made double what she did before. Double what she did before. The Lord just within the week doubled what she was making before we gave it all back to him. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, that, that, that was us, okay? That, 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 was, that was our story. So I, I don't know what, what that means for you. And I'm not saying, hey, give up your whole salary. Maybe, maybe the Lord right now is like, hey, you're so stressed and overwhelmed, so I just need you to open your hands and give it to me and just trust me with it. So like, where, where, where do you stand when it comes to generosity? Has, has money been a stress to you? Has it been overwhelming? Have you been controlling it and, and hoarding it to yourself and holding on to it so tightly? Have you viewed your money as an owner and not a steward? Have, have, have you thought that everything you have is because you earned it and not that Jesus allowed you to have it? Where, where, where do you stand with, with your finances and your generosity in this season of life? So just a, a few quick practical steps for you. Here's, here's what I want you to, to do tonight or, or tomorrow when you go home or whatever. Is number one is this. I just want you to, to pray. And it's a simple prayer and just say, God, open up my heart. God, and that's what prayer is. Prayer is us just saying, like, God, like, open up my heart to, to whatever it is that, that you're wanting to do. Um, God, I'm, I'm gonna trust you in this season, Lord. Open up my heart, God. Just begin to pray to him. Second is ask. Pray to him, and then in that prayer, say, God, where do you want me to start? God, do you, I haven't been tithing. Lord, do you want me to tithe? Do you want me to tithe 5%? Do you want me to tithe 10%? God, who, who, who around me do you want me to be generous to in this season of life? Who's in my life that's around me that, that needs a helping hand? Who around me needs me to be generous and give of myself of what I do not have, but trust that you'll give in return and then act. Pray, ask, and act. Don't act out of compulsion. Don't act out of emotion. Don't, don't act with a reluctant spirit. Don't, don't just walk out of here fired up. Maybe right now the Lord's like, you need to Venmo this person this much money right now. Venmo has, has made us be a lot more generous. Not on purpose, but you know. Pray, ask, and act. And you know what? I believe that our God is not a God of subtraction. Our God is not a God of addition. That our God is a God of multiplication. And God will multiply whatever it is that you feel called to give, and he'll give you peace and joy all within the same. Your best life will be lived when you live a life full of generosity.
me pray for you. Lord, I thank you so much for um, everyone in this place. And God, you're a, you're a good God and you're so faithful. And um, God, you're speaking to people. Like this is a big issue. It, it's a never ending issue. But Lord, if we could choose right now in this season of life to trust you with it, our whole life could look so different. <clears throat> our, our marriage could look different. Our, um, our job could look different. Our relationship with you and the people around us could look just so different. A couple questions in here. First question is that um, this resonated with you. And you say, Andrew, you know what? Like I've been controlling my finances, but I feel like the Lord is calling me to be generous. That God is calling me to, to maybe tithe or, or God is calling me to, to give to that person in life that I know needs it. If that's you in here, would you slip up your hand? Amen, 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 praise God. You can put your hands down. Second question is this, is that um, I, I never wanna preach about Jesus and then not give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus. And so I know that I've been talking about finances, but the reality is, is that you came in here looking for something and you found Jesus and you felt something in your heart that you've never felt before, and you've, been, you've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ, or maybe you, you've run far from God, but you walked in here tonight and you felt like God was calling you into a relationship with him. You're in here tonight, you don't have a relationship with God, but you'd like to start one. Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Amen, I see you, bro. Amen, wow, amen, amen. Praise Jesus. If that's you, you raise your hand just in your own words, begin to talk to God. Um, just tell him, Lord, speak to me. I've never heard you before. Ask him to forgive your sins. Say that you want to make a Lord of your life, that God, we believe that the only way to heaven is through Jesus. Begin to talk to him in your own words. God, we love you. We trust you. God, we thank you so much for this time. Lord, make us generous givers. Give us faith and strength to do that. And everybody said, amen. Y'all, let's stand. Let's worship.